The Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Okay, okay, we back. Segment number two, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Steelers Nation Radio. And you know that Steelers Blitz with a Z, always in podcast form, wherever you get your podcast at. Make sure you're subscribing so that way you don't miss out on any of this content, commercial free on demand. Because you all should feel like you have that control. Because y'all are awesome. Y'all are the reason why we can do this thing. Yeah, we do. I, I tell you what, so, the, the yes, tweets are on fire you, right now, and, and we do. We appreciate it. Yes, indeed. So without further ado, we are going to address your tweets to start this segment out. So Mr. Goodhead in the flesh, take it away. Buddha tweets here, Buddha and, and I think this, this you know, I think this kind of sums up how a lot of the fan base might feel. He says, I just wish that Mitch would play like there's no tomorrow. Um, then we can talk quarterback change if it is indeed ugly. I, I understand that sentiment, but again, what we don't know, n- nobody listening to this, Moats and I right now, is, is, is Mitch being coached to be this conservative, right? Because again, the razor-thin margins that this team was built upon, particularly now in the absence of TJ Watt in a defense that is still really good, but maybe not great enough to win you a game like they did in Cincinnati without number 90. I understand playing like there's no tomorrow, but you could you could try that out. You could turn the ball over a couple times in the first half, and it could look a lot like that Cincinnati game last year where that game was over in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's there. there's no quick fix. There's no easy answer here. Um, I understand it's frustrating. I understand you want more. All these things. Moats and I both do. We're just trying to to give you that grain of salt here. And make no mistake about this. If we're sitting here in week five and week six, we won't still be singing this same song. We're going to, as Motsi would say, we're going to find new excuses. It's that simple. It's an accountability <laughs> but, but no, thing. But, but seriously, there, there's, a, there's a difference between having a grain of salt and a little bit of patience through two weeks then when we're in week five, week six, week seven, week eight. And it's and, a fuller on, sample size then. You, you've got to start context. seeing things progress. Make no mm-hmm. mistake about that. But it's, it is it is two weeks. And I said this, you know, uh, after week one, Mozi. This is what we do in football. I get it. I'm not naive either. We, we diagnose these games. We dissect every play, every moment, every decision more so than any other sport because we only get 17 of these every year. They play once a week. It's not like the Penguins where if they piss you off on a Tuesday, they're back playing on Friday. It's not like the Pirates where they've got 162 games a year. It's not like if you're a, a basketball fan and you know your, your team plays like crap on Monday, well, they got another game on, on Thursday. This is it. You get 17 of them every year, once a week. But we've also got a, a just a just a little perspective, just a little bit, just a little. I'm not asking for a lot, just a little bit. Yeah, for me, man, I kind of look at it like this: um, telling Mitch to play as if there's no tomorrow. I don't necessarily agree with that um, for a couple of reasons. First off, when we talk about no tomorrow, he doesn't need to be in a desperation mode. Desperation means you're going to take reckless chances. Reckless chances equate to turnovers. Turnovers equate to you getting up out of here. Can't win with turnovers. Any quarterback. I would also say that when I think of Mitch, and we 
continue to say conservative. I say risk versus reward because to me, I don't think that he's a full on conservative quarterback. I think he's a very smart decision maker. I just think that when you're talking about how he is mentally put together in the sense of when he's willing to take a chance versus when he's willing to say, I'm going to play a safer here and make the high percentage throw. Those are some of the things that I think when he goes back and look on tape, he can make those type of adjustments. That's not necessarily him being conservative, though. That's him just being smart. Right. High percentage throws. But that's what we talk risk versus reward. It's cool to take the high percentage throw on first and second down, which he does a really good job of. It's been times where I see a second and 12, he'll dump it off to Najee on a two-yard pass. Najee makes two guys miss. We pick up seven or eight. I'd rather he do that than force a throw 15 yards downfield just in the middle of the field so that way the Twitter crowd can say, hey, guys, look at this all-22 tape. He threw it in the middle of the field. We're all happy now. But it was incomplete. So it would be for nothing. So for me, on first and second downs, I think that he is fine with his decision-making. I think that he is fine in terms of some of his reads. The issue is when you're talking about the third downs or your got-to-have-it situations, and that's where you can't always rely on the high-percentage throw. When it's third and eight, you can't throw the ball three yards down the field. You have to push it to eight, nine, ten yards. You can't, on third and 12, Say, hey, man, I'm going right. to throw it to the flat right now. Right, 100%. When we're talking about Mitch, that is the criticism. Those are the big issues. Not when people try to just lump everything in and say, nope, he's terrible. Everything. Everything. He can't do anything. He can't throw it deep at all. Because that's not the truth. That is overreaction, but that's not the truth. So to me, man, when I think of Mitch, man, those are the things that he's going to have to improve on. But he can. He definitely can. But when you're talking about playing as if there's no tomorrow, I just don't see – that number one being real because human nature hmm. we talk about human nature and i know as players as athletes oh you're machines you don't have anything you're just number 10 you're number 55 and that's all that matters you have no feelings no emotions that's not accurate as much as we would like to project that we also know that that is not the truth so when you hear the whole fan base or a lot of the fan base booing you everybody talking greasy about you you don't know if your coach trusts you you don't know if you trust your coach just based on the comments that both parties have made in the aftermath of the game terms of quarterback and wide receivers saying that it's schematics not being called some of these downfield concepts and you have Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin saying things that uh, that that uh go against or contradict those statements so clearly there's some type of disconnect some type of lack of trust on both sides with all that being in there I think that is normal for him to be playing a little bit tight I think that that is normal I think that's a part of it but is he going to be able to continue to do that no but to expect it right. to drastically just change and, oh, man, play like your hair is on fire, like you have nothing to lose, I don't think that that's what you want because that just brings or just says recklessness. That is what is going to lead to. Whereas I think if we're talking about him specifically and specifically saying how does he improve, not some, you know, narrative improvement. We're talking about specifics. That's what we're referring to. And I think that those things are very much attainable for him on a short week on top of that. So that's the part for me, man, that I'm really excited to see from him. But he has to get it done. He does. But that's a difference than just playing as if there's no tomorrow, playing as if you have nothing to worry about. Because he does. He have a lot on the line. He's still trying to prove that he could be a franchise quarterback. That two-year deal is chump change in terms of quarterback money. You think he's that's all he wants to play for, just in two years and be out? Nah. But you're not going to get longer than that if you play reckless. But you're also not going to get longer than that if you're ultra conservative right. either. you got to strike that balance. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to see. Can he make those little adjustments? And there's, you know, one more angle to this that we haven't mentioned yet that I know people aren't going to want to hear, but it's real. Oh. Mitch Trubisky also went what? Like 
18 months without playing a meaningful football game? Oh, no, you can't. Shh, no, talk about that. And that's- again, when we get to week six and week seven and week eight and all those things, that's not going to matter anymore. But for the first two weeks of the season, I mean, the last time Mitch was starting football games, Ooh. the t- teams were still playing empty stadiums. Do you remember that back in 2020? You remember those empty stadiums? Ooh. Or maybe there was like 5,000 oh, people you, you, there? You, it was family and friends. It was like the, the, the exclusive drops for shoes. <laughs> It was like, we're going to have a soft opening for our family yeah. and friends on yeah. Sunday and, and invite afternoon. Your, invite your daddy, your mama, your brother, and your sister. Your cousin? No, nah, he can't come. Uh-uh. He also hasn't played games since 2020. And, yeah, you could say, oh, well, he played in the preseason for Buffalo. He played in the preseason for the season. Eh, spare me on that. All right? That is not an excuse not to give him a long leash. And, again, I'm not gonna, when we're sitting here in week five and week six, I'm not going to be saying, well, you know, Mitch didn't play any games last year. But I think it was also reasonable to expect that he himself had some rust to knock off. Fair? And he's still learning the scheme, is he not? Or has he been in the scheme for two years, three years? Maybe I'm missing something here. Cuba Dan tweets us and says, let's not forget how people were treating Chris Boswell when he had that offseason. Uh-huh. Now everyone's in love with him again. And, and before that offseason, everybody swore that they loved him then. Remember. Mm-hmm. But the standard is the standard. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cuba Dan also adds, you know, I expect a, a six-year vet not to lock onto one receiver and never try and look off some defenders. <sighs> it feels like he hasn't taken advantage of open wide receivers when you look at some all 22 cut-ups. And that's completely and fine. I but agree I can, with that. And yeah. that's completely fine. But the same way we can highlight the negative plays, we can also highlight the positive plays. So once again, if we're trying to just go narratives, fine. But there is two sides to it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Rebecca, the lit one, says, uh, wants to know our opinions on the difference between uh, the Tommy Maddox to Ben situation versus Kenny uh, versus Mitch and Kenny scenario. Besides Tommy being with the Steelers for longer, well, well there's yeah, a few you could, diff- you, yeah, you, there's a few different few differences there. People forget about this too. Ben Roethlisberger going into that season, his rookie season was actually the third string quarterback. Mm. All right. See, I didn't know that. And well, he, I mean, I, now that you said it, I do. But he I did not. he needed injuries, um, not only to uh, to Tommy Maddox, but I believe to it would have been Charlie Batch as well too. That sounds about right. And is my timeline adding up here? Sounds about right. Is my timeline adding adding up here? Yeah. So he it was it was Tommy one, Charlie two, Ben three coming out of training camp and out of preseason. Charlie got hurt. So Ben was elevated to number two, and then the you know the the infamous Maddox gets hurt against the Ravens, and Ben comes in and loses that game, but then wins fifteen straight. So, I mean, you would need you would need Mitch to get hurt, and you would need some other things to happen. That's a key difference. I think a lot of people forget that Ben was actually the third, and needed an injury to Chuck and 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 the injury to Tommy in game to get that opportunity. Another big difference is. I mean, are we going to call a spade a spade here? No, because the perception is that once this change was made, that Ben never missed a throw. <laughs> he never held on the ball too long. He never missed a read. He never locked on a read for too long. He was perfect from the time he got in until the end of that season. The Steelers, when Ben Roethlisberger came in as a rookie, had a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, a Hall of Fame running back, Willie Parker, fast Willie, a a hall of really darn good wide receiver in Heinz Ward. I think he's he's still a hall of honor. That counts as some. But there's no Fanica on this offensive line. There's no Jerome Bettis in the backfield. 
We really like Najee Harris, but he ain't on that level yet. Let's not kid ourselves, particularly this season when he clearly doesn't look 100% out there at, at times. So there's there's some real tangible differences there. There, there. there certainly is. And listen, there's the other side of that too that I completely understand. A lot of Steeler fans, they heard for months, for months, Kenny, Kenny Pickett's NFL ready. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's 24 years old. He was five years at Pitt. But the other side of that is he's NFL ready. He's the most NFL ready of these quarterbacks. He could he could come in and he could start week one. We heard that for months up until the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett. I, I I'm not naive enough to not think that that's playing into this too. That a lot of Steelers fans they had been coached up on how NFL ready was Kenny Pickett was throughout the draft process, throughout the combine, hearing that from all kinds of pit people and maybe some of them there's the crossover there that are pit people as well too. But the situations are not all that similar. They're they're just not. Other than a rookie quarterback waiting for his opportunity, I think that's about the only similarity and either way at the end of the day we're still not saying that Mitch has been perfect we're not saying that he's above reproach we're still saying that he has a lot that he has to improve upon as well we're just saying that right now he does give us the best option or the best chance to win in terms of the quarterback position from our perspective that's all I like that though that was was, was, I like I can't even keep up with all these tweets right now the way you could take us down that history man I I love that right there because see I can't do that I I ain't know it like that but that's why that's I what 13-year-old nerd nerd me. I love it. I'm proud of you. (laughs) CR tweets us. What up, CR? Still in Chicago. And says, Wes is right. Steeler Nation is a little spoiled. We never want to let it unfold. In the end, it will be what it will be. We as fans are not and will never be involved in management decisions. Keep calm and wave your terrible towel. That's And you know what? That's a good from CR. Bigger picture. And again, I know this is hard for the fan, the fan focus of you want to every single week you live and die with your team. If they win, it's the best week ever. If they lose, your week's yeah. ruined. All, and, like, and we want that. We That's get, what you we, want. We, Absolutely. We get that. And we're we're there with you. Make no mistake about that. Don't be naive enough, though, not to think that there's a, a bigger picture plan for the Steelers here. That Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Omar Khan, all the big decision makers, right? Moats, and you could tell me if I'm wrong here because you're the one with the decade of NFL experience. Don't you think it's realistic that they might have said, all right, no matter what happens, barring an injury, Mitch is going to be the guy at least through week four, and then we'll evaluate from there. Like, don't you think that that's a realistic possibility? To me personally, yes. I think it's a little bit longer than the whole week four narrative, though. But I do agree. Or to the bye week or, yes. to, or to week six or whatever, you know. But it's also very likely – that this is all part of a plan, that this is all part of a timeline, and they're not going to accelerate that just because the offense hasn't been on fire through two weeks. I I, I think that that's very realistic as well, too. And again, I know fans don't want to hear that. Ooh. But, you know, you, you're also dealing with, with a head Ooh. coach that hasn't had a losing season in 15 years. That don't matter. Remember, you're dealing with an organization. Matter. I heard that was a negative, actually. You're dealing with an organization that hasn't had a losing season since 2003. That's a negative. You can't keep saying that. People say that's a negative now. Look around the rest of the NFL. Tell me when every franchise had their last losing season. Remember, we're not every franchise. That's a negative. And then look when the Steelers negative, had man. theirs. That's a negative. We want to experience that. That's a negative. Uh, you want to know a good way to have a losing season? How? Throw a rookie quarterback out there on a short week <laughs> with no run game. 
and your best defensive player out for the foreseeable future. No, no, no. Because Kenny could have went out there last week and won the game. I mean, hey, I'm not saying he couldn't have. There you go. But I'm just saying So history. if he could have won last week, what's the difference between it being a short week this week? <laughs> you ain't changing nothing. <laughs> you ain't practicing. You're walking through. What, what, what's the difference? I, I love I love you people on the tweets right now. I what do. You, what you mean by you people? I, I, I do. What, what you mean, you people? What you mean? What you mean? You people. We talking about you awesome peoples, man. We talking about y'all, man. We appreciate the heck out of y'all, though, from the heart. So let's keep it going. <laughs> Steel City GF tweets us. What up, Steel City? GF? It says... I get with the frustrations with Mitch. It may only be two games uh, for us. Um, wait, hold on. The frustration uh, for Mitch is that it may only be two games to us, uh, but for him it's year six, only 14 points. We've been patient for a long time now. See, that's the thing, though. How is that? Have you been patient no, for a no, long no. time? You just said it's been two weeks for us, six weeks, for, I mean six years for him, but he hasn't been here for six years. What does any of that have to do with the two weeks that he's been here or the two games he's played in here? Just think what would you just said. Two weeks. Two weeks. And that's that's long? Let's also do it. One other caveat to this, and, and I could already, I mean, we're going to get the Mitch Apologist tweets real soon. One other caveat to this. If the Steelers' run game was humming, we'd, I'd, I'd be much more willing to to hold maybe hold Mitch's feet to the fire of a little course, bit more. Because then it would be more isolated. But the whole purpose of what we've been doing today is to show you that it's not just isolated and it's not just a Mitch Trubisky issue. You so want to talk all talk, 22. Yeah. There's some, there's some not so great write, stuff on there from Najee as well. 22, call it out. But people have narratives. And when you have a narrative, you're going to be blind to the other stuff and only focus in on what you want to focus in on. And all we're saying is we don't share that same type of energy because we're not narrative based. We're not narrative driven. We're just taking that context and laying out the facts. It's a difference. Perfect fit athletic recruiting tweets us. Shout out to that name. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Says the Steelers have not drafted an offensive lineman in the first or second round since 2012. Was that David DeCastro? DeCastro. Yes, yeah. they also pouncy the year before that as well, mm-hmm. too. Uh, in the two drafts prior to that, the first and second rounds were offensive linemen. Yes, they were. Uh, the lacking offense stems from that shortcoming. I let's it's all part it's all part. It's a part of it. Like we said, it's not one singular thing. We don't just say it's O-line. We don't just say it's coaching. We don't just say it's the quarterback play. We don't just say it's this and that. But when you talk about the context, all of those things have played a part into why the offense is what it is right now. It's a pizza. Everyone's got their own slice. And you could also throw in the context of, I don't think this team accounted for how fast they would lose Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Ramon Foster, Alejandro Villanueva. As well too. They that literally was a lost quick, all four of those turnover. guys within two seasons. Quick turnaround Those there. are four starters, three Pro Bowls, and two All-Pros, and one's a Pro Bowl alternate. All within two years? And you never adequately replaced that. So this is a part of it. But when you talk about why we are inconsistent, how can you be consistent if the most important unit on your offense is having issues in terms of personnel and gelling and consistency. They have a new coaching as well. They're learning new techniques as well. They have new players as well. It's a lot that's at, that, that's at fault when we're talking about why the offense has been looking the way it's been looking. Now, here's a good one from Grayson, our country music Shut superstar. Up to Grayson, absolutely. Everybody, you know, make sure you're, you're tapping in with uh, no, with, facts, with, with Grayson Rogers, big, uh, big country music artist down there in Nashville, big Steelers fan. He listens and tweets the show from time to time. 
I saw a blue check mark pop up in the tweets. Oh. I mean, I whoa, knew whoa, we had, I knew we had hey, something hey, going hey. on here. Grayson tweets us and says, uh, to the fans saying that this is all on Mitch, I think you're quickly forgetting the complaints were the same last year, and that was with a Hall of Famer at quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ben suddenly forgot how to throw deep mm-hmm. and suddenly remembered eight times in the fourth quarter how to draw <laughs> plays in the dirt. Come on now. That's a great point by Grayson. And some of the criticism. That's a great point by Grayson. And some of the criticism, we're talking specific criticism of Matt Canada, that is one tempo because we saw him use it in the preseason second jacksonville jaguars game and we saw kenny pickett first drive no tempo but move the pocket second drive was tempo and we saw the success that it had we've talked about tempo being a weapon for this team and why last year it worked and we broke it down we said hey why is tempo key well number one it gets the d-line that you're rushing against or the d-line that you're blocking against tired so if you have personnel where you might be lacking talent wise youth all of those things, the tempo helps because it's going to make those pass rushes get tired, which ultimately evens the playing field. So now you don't have to worry about protecting as long versus this dominant pass rush when you're five plays in and this dude is gassed and he's looking to tap out. That's the first part of why tempo is a weapon. The second part is, especially early in the season, Wes, especially early in the season, when you talk (laughs) about hurry-up defense, your menu for hurry-up defense is literally three plays maximum. Sometimes early in the season, when you're talking about week three, week four, on a short week, you might have one call. It would be as simple as, hey, when they go hurry up offense, we're going cover three. Hey, when they go hurry up offense, we're running Tampa two. So if you catch them and you make that first completion and then you go right back to the line of scrimmage, you know what call they're in. And then you make another play, you know what call they're in. Literally after two plays, you will know what they're in for the rest of that drive. But when we're talking about why we're not getting that, part of that is the intentional calling. And if you're Matt Canada, that's where he has to be better. That's where he has to trudge Mitch Trubisky more yeah. and say, you know what, Mitch? It's a two-way street. You are a vet. You are a pro bowler. You are a guy who's taking a team to the postseason. Take this. I need at least one drive hurry-up offense where you're in control. And if I can trust you there and you go out there and do what you're supposed to do, that can open this offense up. And you know what? We saw a little bit of that. Come on now. And it looked better. Come on now. It's no surprise. And it, it, I think it's reasonable at, at, at certain points, too. And again, it, it's two weeks into the season. But at certain points, it is definitely reasonable to expect, you know, those training wheels to come off. Absolutely. And, I, you know, we're getting close to that point. And if it's not this Thursday, check back next Sunday against the Jets. Yeah, because that has to happen. But it does. I think it, that's it the absolutely part. does. But that's when we're talking about tangible changes, not, oh, man, we just got to be better for the sake of being better. Oh, if we just switch this out, it's going to magically be better. Explain to me how. Because that's what we're giving you right now. These are things that we can put our fingerprints on and say, hey, when we watch this game on Thursday, if we don't see any type of tempo happening out there, that's a Matt Canada thing right there. But now if we are seeing tempo, but we're still not getting the deeper throws, well, now we're knowing what? That's on Trubisky. Correct. You catch my drift? Correct. These are some of the things we're going to find out. And that's what we'll be watching for. Absolutely. You better believe it, man. Uh, Bill, good point here by Bill, you know, talking about the – the conversation around Kenny being NFL ready. Bill says what it really was is Kenny was the most NFL ready of the quarterbacks in this class, exactly. not necessarily actually NFL ready week one. Right. They were just saying of the group. Right. And I think that people, messaging got lost to a lot of people got caught up in that. Well, because they heard what they wanted to hear. Yeah. Which is yeah. acceptable. We understand or not accept was understandable. But that is what happens at times. You know how it is, man. If you're talking about a West Virginia play, you're going to hear all the good stuff, and you're going, hey, man, whatever they said, we're going to amplify it, right? 
But we know, hey, man, when, when you step back and you really look, it's like, oh, man, they ain't say that specifically. They didn't say he was the best prior this, this, this. Just of the bunch. And we already said of that bunch the first year and how many years where we didn't have multiple first-round draft pick quarterbacks. Shoot, multiple first- and second-round draft pick mm. quarterbacks if we be real about it. Uh, G-Rob tweets us. G-Rob, what's up, buddy? What it's up, been a G while. Rob? Uh, he says, in Tomlin we trust. I've got to let the plan play out and trust Mike T. Remember what he did with a duck at quarterback just has, a few years has ago. Has he ever let you down? Uh, Jared tweets us and says, and I, I get this sentiment. I do. I, I understand it's it's the fan the fan in you in this sentiment. I get it. Jared says, I would rather see us make mistakes being aggressive than being conservative and leaving plays on the field. I'm not going to go as far as to boo Mitch or call for Kenny, but I'm also thinking about Einstein's definition of insanity. Well, and and, well, <laughs> and he, says, he says, if I see a check down on third and eight again, I'll puke. <laughs> and that's completely fine, but I also would puke if I see – more people calling for Mr. Biscay after him throwing an interception versus Tampa 2 in the red zone because he was taking that chance that everybody says that he does not take and that everybody says if he takes his chance, we'll be acceptable of that. It was not people being acceptable of him taking that chance, throwing that interception in that Tampa 2 when he went to Deontay. In fact, it was the exact opposite. So even though I would love to feel that more people are like you and share that sentiment, I just personally don't think that's the case because – it's too many examples of it not being the case. So even though on paper it sounds really nice that we would all support Mr. Biscuit if he went out there and made aggressive mistakes, unfortunately, actions speak louder than words, and we saw that on Sunday that that is not the case. Last one here before we got to go to break. Devin in Denver tweets us. The human flame. And though. says, the show is fire today. Hey, no, salute you, man. We just had a little caps. fun. We try to be like you, Devin. We well, just try to bring the heat. I tell you what, if you thought it's been fire to this point, I mean, just wait till what we got next Uh-oh. year. Uh-oh. Because when we come back, it's time for us to take over the show. See, we, 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 we gave y'all that middle segment right there. I ain't going to lie. We let y'all have that right there. And it was fun. But now we got to spin the block and come back with five-star... F- I was say Friday, five-star matchups, along with a little singing of songs. Ooh. Hold on one second. We're, we're humbled and excited hype. to be in these five-star matchups. Five-star matchup. Somebody leaving here with a loss. Not going to be us. So you know I can't wait for that. It's Arthur Most and Wesley Euler on Steelers Nation Radio. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.